Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. We've been in a stream of looking at a new approach to healing, looking at spirituality and physiology. We've been looking at disease prevention, and we covered that disease is a curse. And so if it's a curse, you and I don't, don't need to have anything to do with it. And we need to look at what's going on inside of our own lives to make sure there's no operation of the curse going on inside of us. And so as we've been looking at these things, we were, we were looking at the spiritual roots behind conditions. You know, for so long, we have, you know, maybe you were like I was, somebody would, you know, come down with some particular disease or condition. And you'd ask, well, why? Why should that happen to them? And the answer usually was, well, these things happen. Isn't that what we've heard? Well, these things happen. These things happen. Well, I was never satisfied with that answer because these things didn't happen to everybody. They didn't happen unilaterally. They only happen sometimes to some people. And so then I was always curious as to what's really going on. Well, as we are learning about these things, we're also learning that it's our responsibility to recognize and deal with the sin that dwells inside of us. That sin inside of us is a force that is trying to destroy us. And so we've got to deal with that. We want to recognize it, what's going on. We want to take responsibility for it. Not blame you know, your mother, your father, your pastor, your brother, your sister, the world, the Democrats, whoever. You know, Not blame everybody, but take responsibility yourself for what's going on in your own life. And then also to uh, renounce those things and to remove it. This is all about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That the Bible says, you know, it's something that you and I each individually have to work out. You know, there are some times I think that we get real lazy and figure that everything that comes to us is just handed on a silver platter and you don't have to do anything. But you know what? The thing is, that doesn't go along with Scripture because the Bible talks about there's sowing and there's reaping. And if you and I are reaping something in our lives that we don't want, then we've got to look at what we've been sowing. And let's not get condemned over it, but let's just start doing something about it instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, right? So for the past uh, few weeks, we have been deliberately breaking agreement with sin. We have been breaking agreement with enemy spirits. We have been drawing the line and saying, I'm not participating with those things any longer. And so we have dealt with unforgiveness. We've dealt with broken spirit. We've dealt with bitterness. We've dealt with accusation. And last week we were dealing with unloving spirits. And about the unloving spirits are the ones that want to keep you from experiencing and receiving God's love or from other people. And so we, we dealt hard with self-pity last week because it's one of the unloving spirits. And so as we are breaking agreement with these things, we're finding that our minds are being freed up. I've had a few people give testimony to me that they have found that they're thinking clearer once we get through with these sessions. You know, folks, the fruit of deliverance is a changed life. You know, it's not about how dramatic deliverance was. It's what happens after deliverance. Is your life changed? People are telling me I'm sleeping better. People are telling me I feel the noise has gone out of my mind. Things I just seem to be able to handle life a little better. Well, praise God. That's what it's about. Because you know what? Jesus came to give us abundant life, didn't he? You know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. And so much of the time when we have been through deliverance, we didn't know how bad we used to feel. 
You know, it's just like a dull ache in your spirit or your soul you've had for a long time that when it's gone, all of a sudden you just feel just tons better. And I always say when people have received deliverance, that should be what comes out of their mouth. I feel better. I feel better. You know, some people get nervous and worried about deliverance. But, you know, it's like if you feel better, that's what we're after, right? It's like getting the pebble out of your shoe. It feels better just to get rid of those things. If you would open your Bibles, please. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight we're going to deal specifically with spirits of fear. Hallelujah. Dealing with spirits of fear. Adding it to the list of garbage to be taken out. (laughs) Right? We took out the bitterness. We took out the accusation. We took out the unloving. Tonight we're taking out the fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11.1. It says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a substance of something that you want to happen, something that you're hoping happens. You know, we have faith for our healing. We have faith for our prosperity. We have faith for things to work out for us. That's the confession of my mouth, is that things work out for us. So faith is that force, that substance of something that you are hoping for. Faith, is, requires, uh, faith requires action, and it also brings forth results. Well, guess what? Fear is a substance of things not hoped for. Faith and fear are very similar, except they're just, you know, they're like polar opposites of each other. Both faith and fear have a substance of something. And it's for fear, it's for things that you don't want to happen. And it's a strong force. Both faith and fear project into the future. Your fear, fear looks to the future and says all these bad things are going to happen. Faith looks to the future and says these good things are going to happen, right? Okay. Both faith and fear demand your attention. How many of you know what it's like to wrestle with fear, right? To wrestle with fear. That thing, is it grabs a hold of your thought processes. It grabs, it demands you pay attention to it, doesn't it? It insists you listen to it. And you wind up wrestling and fighting with that thing. And you can't just ignore it. It doesn't go away. Isn't that right? You gotta, uh, you've got to overcome it. Do you know that faith works the same way? When faith is a strong force at work in our lives, it's all-consuming. We're expecting to see the goodness of God. We're expecting to see the answers to prayer. We know things are going to work out. And by the same token, you don't tolerate the opposing. We, when we are in faith, we don't tolerate doubt and unbelief. We're in faith, we don't tolerate fear. But you know what? Fear cannot stand faith. You cannot have fear and faith coexisting at the same time. Because one is going to win out over the other because you're opposed to each other. You're either a man or a woman walking in faith or you're a man or woman walking in fear. Now, if you've got faith for your healing, but you're fearful that you're going to die, yeah, y'all, it's not going to work. Those are opposing forces. So it's a matter of choosing which one are we going to listen to. We're going to listen to fear or we're going to listen to faith. And you know, it's not have, it has nothing to do with the circumstances. It all has to do with your choice. You can have two people, identical situation, one full of faith, believe in God, giving glory, the other person have a panic attack. Isn't that true? 
It's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to what's going on. Too many times we want to just point the finger and blame what's because this bad thing happened or that unpleasant thing happened. No, it's your response towards what has happened. So I'm exhorting you tonight that we're choosing faith. We're resisting the spirit of fear and we're choosing faith. Hallelujah. Fear means being afraid. It means being scared, worried, anxious, concerned a bad thing is going to happen, panic, timidity, and terror. Do you know that both faith and fear have access to your thoughts? Both of them have a voice and they both speak to you. Isn't that right? You know, you, you've, heard, you've heard faith speaking to your heart and saying, it's going to be okay. God's taking care of it. I know it shall go well with me. And you've heard fear say the exact opposite. Disaster's coming and you're not going to survive. Both of these things have access and they are both speaking at the same time. That's why we're going to choose. Because both faith and fear are demanding that you, that you answer them. They're both demanding that they be fulfilled. The spirit of fear... When it comes and tells you this calamity is going to strike you, it is trying to get you into an agreement with it. What happens when we get into agreement, folks? Agreement is where power is, isn't it? Didn't Jesus say, if any two or three shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be given for them, right, given to them? So just as we can agree together in faith and have good things happen, do you know that if we get in agreement with the devil, we're going to see disaster happen. You see, the devil is looking for a way to bring disaster and calamity. And it only happens when he finds somebody on the earth to agree with him. What did Job say? Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. I'm here to tell you, folks, that you have been, many of us have been in a place of being stretched and pushed by spirits of fear. There have been spirits of fear that have been harassing people, taking their sleep, taking their peace, badgering, coming on, demanding that you listen, demanding that you agree. It's time for us to shut the door to those things. Those things that you greatly fear can come upon you. That's why we can't afford to fear. Do you know that one of the first things that God did when he called Gideon and had Gideon call for the volunteers of the army, the first thing he did was send home everybody who was afraid. Why? Because you don't need somebody who's afraid contaminating the unit, right? You don't need to have that. You need to have people who are going to be full of faith and confidence and boldness and get things done. There is not a place in our hearts, there should not be a place in our hearts for spirits of fear. You see, how does God get good things to happen to us? He gets us into a place of faith and agreement with his word. When we're in a place of faith and agreement, we're going to see the fulfillment of that faith happen to us. Isn't that right? It says you believe, you, you believe that you receive and you shall have it. Faith and fear, we got a choice here. I don't want to have the fearful thing happen. I want to have the faith thing happen, all right? So therefore, I'm making a choice. Even though both are speaking loudly, both are demanding, I'm making a choice to put aside the fear and we're going to walk in faith. We're going to believe what God has said and we're not going to believe what the enemy has said. Manifestations of fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, the scripture says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How do you know if you're in faith or in fear? How much power, love, and sound mind have you got going on? If you're, let's face it, if you are not walking 
in a full measure of love, but if you're walking in fear of rejection, right? This, that's two opposing forces. Fear of rejection. They're not going to like you. They're not going to invite you. They don't want to speak kindly to you. They're going to cast you out. That's fear of rejection, but, fear, but love cast out that fear. You know, love overwhelms those things. So where's your love bank? How's that full? How about power? Are you feeling weak or beat up? Or are you feeling strong and capable in the strength of the Lord? And what about a sound mind? Are you having to war with your mind to bring every thought into obedience to Jesus Christ? Or do you find yourself meditating upon the Word of God, things that are good and pure and loving of good report? To the extent that you are not walking in love, power, and a sound mind, to that extent you are walking in fear. Now, every last one of us have got things that we've had to personally overcome and are currently personally overcoming as far as fear goes because there are thousands of fears, thousands. And so we understand that we're all human, that we've got weaknesses, and so there's a tendency to be vulnerable to fear. But see, God's called us to walk in faith. And so Jesus is our example. I can't ever imagine Jesus being, fri- being afraid. I can't imagine him ever being scared, can you? I can't ever imagine it. As a matter of fact, you read the stories of the Bible, and you find out during the storm on the boat, he's the one sleeping. And they wake him up, they're all panicking. What's going on? We're going to die, we're going to die. And what does he say? How come you guys don't have any faith? Where's your faith? And he rebukes the seas and the wind, everything calms down, right? You see, you just can't imagine Jesus ever having a panic attack with the rest of the disciples. Fear manifests, first of all, as alarm. It's like you're crossing the street and somebody honks the horn at you. What's the first thing that happens? You're startled. And you have the immediate, the immediate fight or flight response to that. Immediately, you're ready to run, to get out of the way, to take immediate action. When this happens, hormones are being released, right? Your adrenaline is being released from your adrenal glands and on top of your kidneys. That's being released so you can immediately run and get out of the way if you need to, right? Adrenaline is released. Also, cortisol, epinephrine. Hormones are being released to get your body ready to take immediate action. Your heart rate increases. Your blood pressure rises. Your blood vessels near your skin constrict. And your respiration increases. And there is added strain on your heart. Now all that happens immediately from when you first become startled. You first in that place of alarm. Now it happens so amazingly quickly because you need to be able to respond quickly in times of danger. And what usually happens is once the danger has passed, once you're out of the street, you're not in trouble anymore, your heart rate slows down, your respiration slows down, everything goes back to normal. It's what's supposed to happen. But a lot of times, it doesn't happen. You see, it's how you interpret the events around you. When the, cor- when the car horn honks as you're crossing the street, immediately you're perceiving, I might be in danger. And when you begin to feel that I might be in danger, that's when that response kicks in with the hormones. That's when the heart rate goes up because you might be in danger. You see, you might not be in danger, but you think you are. And what happens is that we live in a stressful society to where people are living in this state of heightened stress all the time. To where they're no longer is somebody honking the horn. It's the guy that honked the horn two years ago. 
and the, their heart is still pumping. The respiration is still there. They've moved into a place of always being on edge. The second stage after alarm is called the resistance stage. In the resistance stage, this is where people who are stressed out live. And we live in a high-stress place, right? In the resistance stage, your body, your body stays geared up to fight always. That's why stressed-out people can't go to sleep at night. That's why they can't calm down. That's why they've got to take something to calm down. Take sleeping pills. Take whatever to try to get calmed down because they're in such a place of stress that they're just going to be ready all the time because they have interpreted their life by listening to a spirit of fear. Because I see a spirit of fear wants to come in and get access to your thoughts and have you so stressed out, worried about tomorrow, worried what's going to happen next, to where you won't ever relax. The body that is designed to save, designed to heal itself, actually begins to destroy itself during stress. Because as the stress hormones are, le- are loosed, the cortisol actually begins to wear out your immune system. It begins to, to tear down parts of your body. How many of y'all ever notice when somebody becomes, um, well, for example, I remember watching, um, I, think it was, I think it was President Bush, maybe the first go around. But right, you know, they get elected and they look one way. Four years later, it's time for re-election. How many years have they aged in four years? Haven't we seen that over and over? Why is that? It's because of the stress that's going on. Because the pressure that they're under, it ages people. I've seen the same thing happen with other people. You look at somebody and you're like, how old are you? Because they have taken on all these years because the stress hormones have released the cortisol. And so the body is becoming worn out because of it. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25? He said, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever wishes to save his life. Could that be that when you and I are stressed out, working so hard, pushing so hard, trying to get ahead, trying to solve problems that we either can't solve or, you know, we're just not trusting God, but when we're pushing, 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 trying to save, trying to save, trying to save, we're losing. You see, the devil can take people out in a number of ways, but the most common way is to get you to take yourself out, to get you to think about stuff, get you into spirit of fear, get you to worry, so then your hormones will be secreted, you'll wind up with overload, and you'll be done. You know, it's happening all around us. It's happening. Folks, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. You see, there's a place there about saving your life, a place of not trusting God. It's a place of pushing. And I know that all of us understand there's times of hard work. There's times of hard pressure that all of us have have gone through. But you know what? The, The fruit of a Christian's life is to also have joy and peace. That you can work hard, you can be tired, you can work long, but still have joy and peace. That's supposed to be how it's supposed to be. But most of us, what are we doing? We're getting stressed up and worked up. And we're not able to relax. And we're not enjoying the peace of God. Instead, we're thinking about what else I've got to do. And how am I going to solve this problem and solve that problem? Is this where anybody lives? 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good. Making sure I'm talking the right crowd. All right. So fear manifests as alarm first, then the resistance stage. And if resistance stage of being geared up to fight, if that condition remains for an extended amount of time, then you enter into exhaustion. Exhaustion stage is the immune system is so weakened that the body gives up and diseases start happening. The hormones are so out of balance, the body can no longer function. So things start breaking down. Things quit working the way they're supposed to. Things start, I've heard people tell me that they tell me, well, I'm falling apart. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because what's happened? Well, this doesn't work and that hurts now and that didn't used to hurt and now this has changed and that's changed and all this kind of stuff. Well, what's happening is, see, Satan wants control of your life through fear. He wants to control you. If he can control your thought processes, he can control your psychology, he can control your physiology. Now, back to science class here for a minute. The main function of the hypothalamus gland is to maintain balance in the whole body, right? Remember several weeks ago, the hypothalamus gland is the one that helps regulate and keeps everything in harmony and balance with one another. It reminds me of like you're driving, riding a bicycle down the street. You know, when you ride a bicycle, you're always correcting a little bit with the handlebars, just always correcting. Well, the hypothalamus is doing that same thing with your chemistry. It's always correcting a little bit and taking advantage of, of all the resources there so that whatever you're perceiving, you're having to deal with in your life, your body is responding quickly to that. And so the whole thing is it's trying to bring you into homeostasis where everything is in balance. So the hypothalamus receives in input from your, your five senses, from what's going on out here. It's how you interpret those things. An event happens, and your hypothalamus, if it tells you, oh, we're in danger, we've got to move quickly, then it's going to begin to release, release changes in your body. The hypothalamus regulates your blood pressure, your body temperature, your appetite, your sleep, your fluids, and your electrolyte balance. So if you've got problems with your sleep, with your high blood pressure, with the um, being cold all the time, body temperature, appetite, those things are all regulated by the hypothalamus. So we want to know why does a person develop high blood pressure? Why does a person develop sleep disorders? Because something is going on in the spirit realm that's messing with your thoughts and your body is just responding, trying to bring balance to the things that you are thinking about and the things that you are experiencing. The, body, the hypothalamus receives input from, from three areas. One is from the limbic system. The thoughts from ungodly, ungodly um, thoughts, excuse me, ungodly sources trigger a behavioral and emotional response. You see, it's how you interpret what's going on. You see, um, you see somebody walk in the door, reminds you of somebody you had a fight with, somebody you're not happy with. What does that do? As you see that person and you begin to have ungodly thoughts, it begins to affect your emotions and begin to affect your behavior. Maybe you decide, you know what, I'm crossing the street. I'm not going to be in the same room with that person. Or maybe you find your stomach starting to churn a little bit because of seeing somebody out there that you had a problem with or someone who reminded you. The second part 
is the endocrine systems to the pituitary. The pituitary gland releases all kinds of chemicals out through the bloodstream. And see, this is all based upon just what you thought. You thought something, and your body's kicked into gear. And so now chemicals are being released in your body. And then those chemicals signal your autonomic nervous system, which starts affecting your respiration, your digestion. It starts affecting your urine output, sweating, heart rate, all based on what you thought. The neurotransmitters can become imbalanced even and can produce depression and nervous disorders. You see, so much of the time we want to think that fear is just an emotion or fear is just a psychological issue, but it's really not. It's a spiritual issue. We understand it's spirits of fear that are operating, trying to control our, our human body, trying to control our physiology. So, folks, we've got to get smarter than this. Come on, we've got to get smarter than this. Too many of us are suffering because we have not understood what has been going on behind the scenes. We have just, we live in a country that does disease management. Come on, nobody gets cured, they just get managed. You go to the doctor, they don't cure you what they do, they give you pills. What are the pills trying to do? Regulate, okay, for example, and this is absolutely no condemnation for anybody in here, okay? Absolutely no condemnation. You have high blood pressure. You go to the doctor, he gives you a pill to lower your blood pressure. Nobody dealing with how come you got high blood pressure. But let's just get it to where it's not bothering you anymore. They give you sleeping pills so you can go to sleep. Not dealing with how come you can't go to sleep. You see, the truth is, folks, what we need to do is to start dealing with the roots of issues. You know, we have said here many times, we believe in the gifts of healing, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have prayed for people many times, and we tell them, if you're on medication, you let your doctor take you off of medication. Isn't that right? Because if you're on medication, stopping the medicine doesn't heal you. Healing is a spiritual force, right? We heal, we believe in gifts of spirit. So if we lay hands upon a person, and they're taking medication, if they get healed, their body won't need that medicine anymore. Isn't that right? You won't need it. You go to your doctor. The doctor says, you don't need this anymore. You don't need to take these pills any longer. That's great. So same thing is going to happen. As we deal with the root of what spirit of fear is behind it, what is going on, you deal with that spirit of fear, your body is going to resume homeostasis. Your body is going to come back to a place of health. Now, for those who have suffered damage to your body because of all these things, we're going to pray and believe God for creative miracles, all right? Whatever's been messed up, we'll just believe God to fix it. But we're going to deal with the root issue, not just medicate it. And I really believe, you know, doctors have kept us well for a long time. You know, they've kept us alive. But I don't believe, I mean, this is not healing. This is just management. So we want to get to a place to where nobody's condemned over taking medicine, but get you to the point to where you just don't need it anymore. You know, no condemnation, but you just don't need it. You know, you can have a bottle of aspirin sit in your, in your cabinet for months and months and months and months and not ever use it because you don't need it. I think that'd be wonderful if nobody ever needed any more medicine. How about the guys that, are, you know, people have to inject themselves with insulin? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just get the pancreas healed and they wouldn't have to do that anymore? Hallelujah. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. Let's deal with what's really going on.
And if, you're, and if you are, you know, in the medical field, God bless you. Thank you. Um, but we want to get to where we don't need you anymore. We want to get to where, let those people out there, the unbelievers, let them go. I don't, I don't want us to have to go anymore. I want us to all be free of this stuff. What are some fear-induced diseases? Fear-induced diseases include allergies, asthma, angina, high blood pressure, hives, shingles, sinusitis, sleep disorders, reflux, irritable bowel syndrome, tension headaches, and eczema, to name a few. Don't raise your hands if I catch anybody. Probably. Okay. Wouldn't you like to know, now I don't have to take Claritin anymore. Not going to have to take, you know, Pepsin or whatever that stuff is anymore. Not take it anymore because my issues got resolved. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fear is a spiritual problem. It's not a psychological one. Fear is a lack of trust in God. You know, the Bible tells us over and over, 365 times it says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. How do you think God's serious about that? Fear not. And we understand that, as we talked about last week, the spirits of the enemy are trying to usurp the place of God in our lives. You know, you've got the Antichrist spirit that wants the place of the Lord in your life. And there are places where fear has dominated people instead of us being dominated by faith and by the Word of God. And it's time for us to get, to get serious about dealing with fear. You know, I think that so much of the time we have just thought, well, you know, everybody's afraid of something. I mean, my little fear of snakes or your little fear of spiders or your little fear of, you know, speaking in public fear of prophesying in front of people folks these are fears that we don't need to tolerate any longer because the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear so if God didn't give it to us who did you want something the devil gave you I don't think so you know but because maybe some of these fears don't seem to be so life-threatening so what's the big deal if you have a fear of public speaking what's the big deal the big deal is it's for fear it's from the devil and we need to be done with it I don't want anything from the kingdom of darkness operating inside of us. Not a thing. Even something that seems to be so minor as fear of public speaking. Hallelujah. I want you to hate these things, folks. Not just tolerate them. Not just be a little annoyed. But I want you to hate the things of darkness. The Bible says in Romans 14, 23, Whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. So what does that tell you about fear? That when you and I are fearful, we're in sin. Whoa, that's an eye-opener, isn't it? You thought your fear of public speaking was just your personality quirk. No, the Bible called it sin. You thought your fear of snakes was just wisdom. No, the Bible called it sin. Your fear of what people think about you. Fear of not being able, fear that something's going to happen to your kids. Fear of not being able to pay your bills this month. The Bible calls those things sin. Not something just to tolerate. But this is something to get rid of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verse 18.
There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Fear has torment, doesn't it? Fear torments. People, I've, I've seen people just eat up with fear. They can't rest. They can't sleep. They're worried. They're nervous. You know, they, they're not at peace. And there's no trust in God. And there's a frantic trying to preserve their lives and preserve themselves. Anything that is not love towards us can take us into fear. Do you know it's just like this? I can behave unkindly to somebody. If I behave unlovingly and unkind to this lady, she has an opportunity to be tempted to get into fear. Well, why didn't she like me? What did I do wrong? Is she going to embarrass me? Is she going to correct me? You know, that's how fear will operate. And all it's just, it's not even her issue, but it was my issue. I was unkind or something. And so what will happen is sometimes something will happen to us, and then the fear is going to come and say, you know what, it's not safe out there. You know, it's not safe out there. People are not safe. You've got to watch out. God's not going to take care of you. And then we wind up with full-blown fear. If we don't feel safe with a person, it can take us into fear. If we have accusation and bitterness talking to us, it can take us right into fear. Accusation will accuse God to us. You know, God won't forgive you. You know, God won't heal you. He won't come through for you. Accusation will come and bring you into fear. If you have self-bitterness and don't feel good about yourself, it can also bring you right into fear. I'm a failure. I'm ugly. I'm no good. Things won't work out for me. Why should anybody care for me? You see, that spirit of fear will move right in on all that self-bitterness. And, of course, rejection. You know, just because somebody rejects you doesn't mean you have to get fearful about it. You know that Jesus was rejected by all kinds of people. But, you know, he did not enter into fear. As a matter of fact, isn't it just amazing knowing that they were going to arrest him, turn him over, beat him, and crucify him? He did not operate in fear. He knew it was going to happen. But he's committed his well-being to the Father's hands. You know, there are some things that sometimes you and I face that are not pleasant. They're not fun. But we're going to commit ourselves into the Father's hands. I remember hearing a story some time ago about um, a woman, and she was with her two small children. And she was, they lived on an island somewhere, and she looked up, and here came a tsunami. She grabbed her kids and said, kids, we're going to go meet Jesus. You know? I mean, that's the attitude. Not panic and screaming, but we're going to go meet Jesus now. I often think about Daniel when he was tossed in the lion's den. Daniel went to sleep in the lion's den. How do you do that? You made a determination to walk in faith and to put your trust in God and not going to just worry about what else is going to happen. There are some of y'all facing some lion den situations right now. You can, you can lay there and be nervous and worried about if you're going to be eaten alive, or you can decide we're going to go to sleep and trust God. I want to decide to trust God. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. See, Jesus told us not to worry about these things. He said, as a matter of fact, 
He said the Gentiles, the unbelievers, worry about this stuff all the time. He says you guys shouldn't worry about any of that. Remarkable, isn't it? You know, what would happen, what do you think would happen to our society if Christians stopped, lock, stopped living in fear? What do you think if every Christian you knew that no matter what was going on in their life, they operated in faith and not fear? They slept that night, you know, they were okay, even though they were facing challenges. I think revival would break out. I think people would be asking, how come? How come? Why are you at peace? Why? You know? Philippians 4, the scripture I've mentioned before, 6 to 8. The word says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You see, this is not just good advice. This is what kind of thinking produces health. Because if we're thinking about things that are good and pure and perfect and lovely, those types of things are going to help our bodies stay in homeostasis, that place of real balance. It means your blood pressure is going to come down. It means your sleep is going to improve. It means allergies are going to disappear. You see, these things are going to begin to change and drop off. We're also going to find that we're not going to have to pray for so much healing anymore because people's bodies are adjusting. The immune systems are coming back the way they're supposed to as we're thinking about things that we should and casting out those things we should not. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so that means when you have the spirit of fear coming to you and begin to think, to speak thoughts to you and whisper to you, that means we don't allow those things to just run loose. That means we capture them and bring them down and instead we give voice to faith. And we get the scripture and we declare what God has said and refute what the devil has said. And I'm here to tell you when you're struggling with fear, you need to open your mouth and speak out loud. Because it, you will be surprised at how much more power your words have when you speak it out as opposed to when you just think it. It's really much more powerful. So, Because the spirit of fear is just waiting to see if you'll agree with it so you'll say what it's been saying. It's been saying disaster's coming. It's waiting for you to agree and say so. Instead, we say, no, my God shall supply all my needs. He keeps me in perfect peace and begin to speak faith. Hallelujah. The antidote to fear. Because fear comes so often and everybody has to, has to deal with it on all kinds of different levels. It's a very common thing, right? The antidote to fear, folks, is relationship with God. The antidote to fear, because perfect love casts out fear and God is love. If you are listening to fear, you are not listening to God. If you're listening to God... Don't listen to fear. What type of thing has been tormenting your thoughts? Understand that did not come from God, so stop listening to it. 
because you can't hear from God. You know, one of the things that we do when we teach the Ministry of Spiritual Gifts Seminar and we do activations, why we make it fun and why we make it light is because most people approach that with apprehension. They come nervous. The spirit of fear has been talking to them on their way to the seminar and told them, you can't do this. This is not you. And if you even try, you're going to make a fool out of yourself. And you'll probably say something stupid. And you'll probably hurt somebody. And you don't think you're called to this anyway. You know, spirit of fear, how many of y'all know they do talk to you like that because we all heard them, right? Those type of words, those type of things come from the spirit of fear. So what we do at the seminars was we make it fun. We make it relaxed. And I tell people, you cannot hear from God if you're not relaxed. When you're tense and worried and nervous, you can't hear from God. How do you know I'm telling the truth? When you desperately feel like I need to hear from God, but you're in a place of pressure, you can't. I said, you might as well just go off and forget it and do something else because you're not going to hear from God when you're all worked up. Because what's happening when you're worked up? You're worked up by fear. And you can't hear from, from God when you're being consumed by fear. So, hallelujah. The antidote to fear is relationship with God. Isaiah 35, 3 and 4 says, Encourage the exhausted, strengthen the feeble, and say to those with anxious heart, Take courage and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Because what's happening when fear comes? Fear tells you you're not safe, right? Your health isn't safe. Your family's not safe. Your finances aren't safe. It's, it's teaching you you're not safe. But the righteous run to the name of the Lord, and they are safe. There is safety that is found in the presence of the Lord. In Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You see, fear of man brings a snare. It brings a snare when you're worried about what everybody else thinks. Worried about if people approve or not. Worried if they're criticizing you or not. That's a snare. God doesn't want you to be in any kind of snare. Instead, God says, I want you to be at safety. So if we put our trust in the Lord, the promise is we will be safe. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Because see, fear says you're not going to be safe. But the Bible clearly says, but you put your trust in him and you will be safe. There's your guarantee right there. The antidote to fear is putting my trust in God. Get in a relationship with him and listening to him. Therefore, my safety is guaranteed. Hallelujah. And then my favorite verse from my tornado story that most of you have heard my tornado story. The scripture God spoke to me. When I'm there as this tornado is approaching my front door and I've got two small children in the house and my husband is overseas somewhere. And the power's out and the storm's there and the hail's on my door and says tornado's right there. And the Lord spoke to me, Psalm 4.8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. The scripture the Lord spoke to me that said, peace, sleep, so I went to bed. I went to bed. Spirit of fear tried to rip me up. But I took this scripture. I will, I will lay down in peace and sleep. And God will cause me to dwell in safety. And sure enough, I'm here to tell you, it was safe. I was safe. Folks, let's choose faith. And let's choose love. 
Remember, this is your choice. Just because the spirit of fear says something to you doesn't mean you have to receive it. Doesn't mean you have to take it. Just because everybody in your family and all your friends are telling you disaster, disaster, does not mean you have to believe it. You can choose faith. You can choose the love of God and let it cast out all of that fear. That doesn't mean we're avoiding fear. It means we're facing it. That means we face it, folks. Face it head on. What is the thing that you're afraid of? If you're afraid of going bankrupt, you're afraid of dying, you're afraid of something happening to your kids, well, instead of allowing that thing to just pick away at you over weeks and months, why don't we look the thing head on and deal with it and address it like the lion's spirit it is and put our hope and our trust in the Lord and expect God to come through for us. Amen? I want to exhort you, come on, guys, let's get in faith. Let's get in love. Let's resist the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. Folks, as you face up to your fear, as you choose faith and you choose love, you're going to find that your fear and anxiety is going to decrease in your life. As that decreases, your immune system begins to repair. Your immune system begins to heal itself and begin to heal the rest of your body. And you're going to find you don't get sick as often as you used to. You're going to find that you've got more energy than what you had as you simply begin to take control over what is being allowed to process through your brain. Hallelujah. You can be healed. Say you get healed of your allergies or your sleep disorders or angina, whatever. You can be healed of that. But a spirit of fear will try to get back in through long-term memory. You'll remember the last time that you had this kind of pressure, the last time when disaster was looming, and fear will try to move in, and it will, your memory, because of your memory, will try to trigger all those emotions. You know, you come down with a symptom that's just like the one that killed your grandmother, just like the one that killed your father. That symptom comes in is looking for a place, that fear is looking for a place of expression inside of you, right? It can trigger, that long-term memory can trigger old symptoms. This is what happens too sometimes when people think, well, I got healed and then it came back. It could be your old memory has triggered a symptom, but it doesn't mean that you, got, that you didn't get healed. It means something's trying to move back in. Something's trying to have a place of expression again. Your thoughts and your meditation will grow new cells. You know, we talk about that, you know, you get your mind in ruts. We get to where we think certain ways. And as I talked to you a few weeks ago, actually what you meditate upon, it does become part of your biology. So what you think upon, actually your mind becomes, there are little tracks, little grooves, little ruts that get your mind to start thinking in predictable patterns and ways of thinking, okay? As you are changing what you're thinking about, you are changing your physiology. You're changing those pathways those, that those neurons are going on. For example, your neurons, your, your neural pathways there, the neurons have a half-life of 14 days. This means that they're t they have 28 days lifespan. In 14 days, it's up to half-life and it starts to deteriorate after two weeks. 
So whatever's going on in your thought processes, inside of two weeks, the old cells start to break down. Inside of 28 days, those old cells are dead. Now, in the meantime, whatever you're thinking upon is building new cells. It's building new pathways. So if you are at 28 days still thinking the same old way, then all you'd get is a fresh new crop of neuron pathways to keep you thinking the way you were thinking 28 days before. You've heard it said it takes 28 days to break a habit. This is why. It's because of what's going on with your physiology. Understand this. Inside of every 40 days, you've got all new cells up here. 40 days, folks. What could you do with your mind in 40 days to get rid of spirits of fear? What could you do with renewing your mind with the Word of God that inside of 40 days you would be changed and no longer responding the way you used to? No longer jumping, no longer eating up with, with high blood pressure or allergies or sleep disorders. But how about you've got a new way of thinking built upon the Word of God and now you're walking in a place of peace and a place of faith as opposed to, as opposed to hysteria or panic or worry. I want to encourage you folks, this could be the beginning of a whole new way of living for you. Think about it. Four weeks from tonight, you'll have new cells. You could be determining a whole new way of thinking. What, about, what did God tell Joshua, Joshua 1.8? The book of the law shall not depart from your sight, Right? You will meditate upon it day and night. Then you will prosper, and then you will have good success. What would happen if you and I meditated on the Word of God for four weeks? If the only thoughts we allowed were ones that were agreement with faith and with love, what would happen to those other thoughts? Guess what? Not only is the spirit frustrated, but you're getting whole new thought processes in your brain. Your mind actually is being trained to think in a new way. I have seen people so eat up with fear, they don't know how to respond any other way. How many of y'all know some people, the older they get, the more bounded with fear they become? I know some people like that. The more years I have known them, the more nervous, anxious, worried, fearful that they are from the last time I saw them. Why is that? It's because what are you thinking about? What are you responding to? And it's just getting worse and worse and worse because they've not broken a pattern. Folks, I'm here to tell you, we can break these patterns. You can, you can be right now tonight having so many struggles with fear in your life, and a month from today, you can have a whole new way of thinking. I'm here to tell you, it's a thing of beauty. Aren't you glad that it's not written in stone? Aren't you glad you can do something about this? The allergies you had this year, wouldn't it be great not to have them next spring? Hallelujah. I'm here, I'm here to tell you. Now the truth is, these neurons, they're going to fight to maintain. They will fight to maintain. The spirit of fear will fight to hold on. So there is a fight of faith. There is a place of resist the devil and he will flee from you. There is a place of renewing your mind and thinking about something different. <coughs> It's going to be change. Well, 
It's either going to be more of the same or something new. I'm off for something new. You know, the Word of God needs to become part of our biology. How about that? We meditate upon the Word of God, and we become the Word made flesh. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. He was the Word made flesh. How about you and I become the Word made flesh? Folks, let's identify some fears. There are thousands of them. Thousands. But I've made a list of some more common fears. And I want to take a few minutes and read over this list. And so to give you a chance to think, does this apply to me or not? Maybe while I've been talking that there has been some other fear has come to your mind. We're going to minister to that in a few minutes because we want to get these things gone, get them out of here, right? I don't want you ruled and directed by fear at all. And some of these may seem to be kind of minor, but you know, it doesn't matter. I don't want any of it in any of us, okay? So we're going to take a few minutes and just think about this, identifying some fears. Fear of deliverance. Fear of not being delivered or not being healed. Fear of being free. Panic attacks. Phobias like claustrophobia, agoraphobia. Fear of tomorrow or the future. Worry, anxiety. Dread. Dread is expecting things to go wrong. You dread meeting with your mother-in-law because you know it's going to go wrong. That's dread, expecting something to go wrong. Fear of change. Fear of the unknown. Fear of loss. Fear of death. Fear of losing your spouse. Fear of losing your children. Fear of disease. For some people it's fear of cancer. Fear of pain. Fear of suffering. Fear of doctors or hospitals. Fear of needles. Fear of evil spirits. Fear of punishment, superstitions, distrust in God or man, suspicion, fear of betrayal, fear of man, fear of public speaking, self-consciousness, shyness, inferiority, fear of criticism, fear of humiliation. Fear of other races, bigotry. Fear of rejection. Fear of being alone. Fear of not having enough money. Fear of poverty. Fear of lack. Fear of failure. Night terror. Fear of the dark. Fear of snakes or spiders or mice or whatever animal. Perfectionism, drivenness, fear of being controlled, fear of fires, fear of authority, fear of water, fear of responsibility, fear of being robbed, and cowardice. Those are the more common ones from my list. I think all these things should go. And if any of these are operating in your life, I want us to get rid of them tonight. The Lord is our deliverer here. Amen. He is here to set us free from all these fears. 
And maybe there's something else that, like I said, it is, you're aware of that's not on my list. I want you to just deal with that with you and the Lord. We're going to deal with these things. How many of you believe that these spirits of fear have been operating, spirits of fear have been operating in your life and in your family's life? How many of you don't have to look real far to see, right? Okay, these things need to be incarcerated. These things need to be ejected out of our lives and not enjoy their free expression any longer. So, folks, we're going to have to get tough with these spirits. This is not a time to wimp out. It's not a time to feel sorry for yourself. This is time to understand you're dealing with a spiritual force, and it's time to get mad and get done with it. And don't tolerate this in yourself anymore. Remember all those thoughts you have? Remember, they're not yours. Those thoughts that come to you masquerade as you, but they aren't you. It's just it's the voice of your enemy. All right, let's pray. Would you pray with me? Father God, Father God I take responsibility, I take responsibility in, my in my generations on both sides of my family, of my family for spirits of fear, and I renounce it. I repent for believing lies. And I tear down negative words. I cancel the assignments of every evil spirit that was loosed because of them. I renounce fear of deliverance, fear of not being delivered, fear of not being healed. Fear of being free. Fear of being free. Panic attacks. Panic attacks. Phobias. Phobias. Fear of tomorrow or the future. Fear of tomorrow and the future. Worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety. Dread. Dread. Fear of change. Fear of change. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Fear of loss. Fear of loss. Fear of death. Fear of death. Fear of losing my spouse. Fear of losing my spouse. Fear of losing my children. Fear of losing my children. Fear of disease. Fear of disease. Fear of pain. Fear of pain. Fear of suffering. Fear of suffering. Fear of doctors and hospitals. Fear of doctors and hospitals. Fear of needles. Fear of needles. Fear of evil spirits. Fear of evil spirits. Fear of punishment. Superstitions. Distrust in God or man. Suspicion. Fear of betrayal. Fear of man. Fear of public speaking. Self-consciousness. Shyness. Inferiority. Fear of criticism. Fear of humiliation. Fear of other races. Bigotry. Fear of rejection. Fear of being alone. Fear of not having enough money. Fear of poverty. Fear of lack. Fear of failure. Night terror. Fear of the dark. Fear of snakes, spiders, and mice. Perfectionism. Perfectionism. Drivenness. Drivenness. Fear of being controlled. Fear of of fires. Fear of of authority. Fear of of water. 
Fear of responsibility. Fear of being robbed. Cowardice. I ask for forgiveness. And that the curse be broken. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. All right. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I set aside the strong man of fear, and I take authority and I cast out fear of deliverance, fear of not being delivered, fear of not being healed, fear of being free, panic attacks. I cast out phobias. I cast out fear of tomorrow or the future. I cast out worry and anxiety. I cast out dread. I cast out fear of change, fear of the unknown. I cast out fear of loss. I cast out fear of death. Fear of losing spouse, fear of losing children. I cast out fear of disease. I cast out fear of pain. I cast out fear of suffering. I cast out fear of doctors and hospitals. Fear of needles must go in Jesus' name. I cast out fear of evil spirits. Fear of punishment and superstition must go in the name of Jesus. I cast out distrust in God or man. Suspicion. Fear of betrayal leaves now in the name of Jesus Christ. Fear of man goes now in Jesus' name. Fear of public speaking must leave now in Jesus' name. Self-consciousness must go. Shyness must go. Inferiority, I cast you out. Fear of criticism must leave now. Fear of humiliation, fear of races, bigotry must leave now. Fear of rejection, fear of being alone must go now in Jesus' name. Fear of not having enough money, go in the name of Jesus Christ. Fear of poverty, go in Jesus' name. Fear of lack, fear of failure, night terror, fear of the dark, go in the name of Jesus. Fear of snakes, spiders, mice, and other animals, go in Jesus' name. Perfectionism must go in Jesus' name. Drivenness must go. Fear of being controlled must leave. Fear of fires, fear of authority, fear of water, fear of responsibility, fear of being robbed and cowardice in Jesus' name. I command these fears to depart in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I speak to the strong man of fear. And I command the strong man of fear to go from these people now, to leave the premises of the name of Jesus. We tell you your power is broken. Your house has been robbed in Jesus' name. We've torn down the armor in which you've trusted. We command you to go from this place now in the name of Jesus Christ. We say that fear has no place in us. Fear has no place in us in the name of Jesus. And Father God, your perfect love is casting out fear. Okay, folks, everybody would just lift your hands up. Father God, I pray right now for a fresh in feeling of your love, fresh in feeling of your peace, Lord God, fresh in feeling. Holy Spirit, come. I ask you to heal every place in our bodies, Lord God, where fear had been tormented, where fear caused damage, caused wounding in the name of Jesus. I speak creative miracles to be loosed right now in the name of Jesus. I speak for allergies to depart in the name of Jesus, hypertension to go in Jesus' name, high blood pressure leaves, it comes down to normal in Jesus' name, Angina must go. Irritable bowel syndrome must go in Jesus' name. Sleep disorders must leave the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, I pray, Lord God, let your peace permeate a spirit, soul, and body. Your love flood into us now. God, we choose faith and we choose love. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com 
Or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.